Bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. Over the next hour, we're going to talk about business, social media, fusion, and a whole lot more. So sit back, relax, and enjoy episode number 106 of This Week in Photography. Welcome to a very special Labor Day interview episode of TWIP. Today, it's all about Ron and Tazra Dawson. They're the husband and wife team behind Dare Dreamer Media and TeenIdentityPortraits.com. Ron, you and I met yeah. a while ago. Two um, years? Has it been two years? Yeah. Almost two and a half. Yeah. And you were, you know, we, you, I think you were working on some project for WPPI for mm-hmm. Pictage, and I was working with Pictage at the time. Right. Um, and your business was smaller then. Mm-hmm. Now it's grown exponentially. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's gigantic now. Uh, and Tazra, you're involved in the business, and you're doing all sorts of things as well. Absolutely. How did the business get started? Yeah. I mean, what what... What made you start a business? And I know you were, were in corporate America. Uh-huh. What made you jump out of corporate America and pick up a camera? That's a great question. Uh, first, I wouldn't necessarily say we're gigantic now. I would say our our reach and exposure is definitely bigger. And but it's really, you know, Tazer and I, and then a team of contractors that we work with across the country. Mm-hmm. And I think it shows a lot to what even a small business can do in terms of getting their name out there, the kind of things we've accomplished. But going to your original question about what made me jump out of corporate America, I was working as a business marketing manager for Quicken at Intuit. And uh, I originally took film and video courses back in 92, uh, ostensibly to make a movie about a funny experience I had while at Berkeley. Never made the movie, but I just kept with the filmmaking thing, making short films here and there. And then when I started working at Intuit, I would show some of my colleagues some of the films I had done, and then I started making some department videos that people liked. And I'd often get comments like, Ron, you're wasting your talent behind the desk, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I liked what I was doing at uh, Intuit, but I wasn't passionate about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the story I always like to tell is I'm um, January of 2002. Um, it's, I think it's like winter break, whatever. I'm in my buddy's house. His name is JD. He's a independent filmmaker um, he was in my wedding and I was um, he turns to me and says you know so Ron what do you want to do with your life and I said well you know someday I'd really love to be able to make an independent feature film and he goes okay cool cool so how are you going to do that into it and it just <laughs> kind of the light came on it's like you know my original plan was to play it safe keep the nice six figure salary mm-hmm. um write some scripts on the side, get discovered, and then the day that I signed my multi-million dollar contract with Miramax or somebody, mm-hmm. quit my safe job. You're giving yourself an excuse to right. stay in, into right, it. Right, yeah. right. So that was the original plan. But, you know, truth be told, most people who make it in the arts, whether they be photography, filmmaking, whatever, uh, that's not how it usually happens. You usually have to make a leap of faith and go out there and and so my boss knew I was really into video, and I told him what I wanted to do. And there was going to be some changes and some mix-up at my department anyway. And so he said, why don't you just hold off? I'll get you laid off. 
And so... Um, <laughs> he, said, he said, I'll get you laid off. I'll do yeah. you a favor and get you laid off. Basically, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, I held out for a few months and uh, took a nice layoff package and then started the business the summer of 2002, which was the same summer that Tazra and I got married. So I started a business, oh, quit wow. my job, got married, became a stepdad, um, all in the same summer. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's a lot of change. That's a lot of change. So then when you, when you were on the fence, so to speak, and about to make the leap into mm -hmm. becoming an independent guy in right. charge of your own future, what kind of things are going through your head in terms of, you know, uh, the, the fear? Where did the fear I didn't come have any, from? I really didn't have any fear. I mean, I have always been an entrepreneur and I have bunch of failures behind me to, <laughs> to prove that. Uh, we don't call I, those failures in Silicon Valley. We call stepping, stepping stones, learning right. experiences, right, right. battle but, scars. You know, I, I had a venture <laughs> consulting company when I was in college and um, for the 100th anniversary of the big game because I, I went to Cal and for the 100, I don't know if it was 100th anniversary. Yeah, it was 100th anniversary of the big game between Cal and Stanford. Um, I made like a commemorative poster and, and got screwed with that um, and then so I have all these things in the past so I've always been an entrepreneur so to speak but the video business was the first business I ever started that actually made money mm -hmm. actually supported myself with and mm -hmm. so you could, um, you could actually eat food I can actually eat food <laughs> so I never really had any fear yeah. um, maybe it was naivete mm -hmm. uh, but I would studied business all my life most of my adult life all my adult life, really. So I just went into it expecting to be successful. Okay. And, uh, you know, I still have a long way to go to getting to where I want to be, but mm -hmm. so I never had that fear. So then, Tazra, in this timeline <laughs> that he described, going through all these... I do have fear. <laughs> going through the failures that Ron was describing and, and, you know, learning from them and then getting to where you guys are now, what were you doing in parallel while he was failing? <laughs> he was failing and learning. In what were you doing? Well, I was um, I was a single mom for seven years before I met him, and mm -hmm. so I was um, going after my dreams anyway. And mm -hmm. so I went to school, got my master's degree, became a teacher, worked with teens because that's what I wanted to do, and mm -hmm. was raising my daughter. And so we actually met right around the time when he was contemplating this huge transition. So instead of being a single mom. And marrying him with his cushy job, <laughs> I married him when he was quitting his cushy job. That was love. We were, <laughs> we were gonna live on my teacher's salary. Oh, in the, in the Bay Area. In the Bay Area, wow. <laughs> with wow. a child already. Wow. So, in the Bay Area. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. We lived in Campbell, was where we lived when so, we first got married. Campbell, oh, California. He. Yeah. Um, I mean, I. I'm a dreamer too. I think I'm a lot more practical, which mm -hmm. is not practical necessarily, but. Um, well, yeah, maybe more practical. Um, but I, I just really believed in what he was doing. Yeah. And so even as we were, you know, making a plan and figuring out what we we're going to do and thinking about launching the business, I always believed enough in him and believed enough in his dream to, to go with it. And I think that's one of his greatest strengths is being able to rally people and have people believe in him. And I think that's why he has such a reach and such a network because people believe in him they believe in what he, he in his vision and he's got great ideas and it's compelling yeah yeah, it's, it's having those great ideas and then being able to execute on them. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you could, you, I think, and you can do that so well. I think mm -hmm. that people that can rally people have great ideas but then fail to execute, 
fail really yeah. quickly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you got to have a one-two punch right. going on there. Okay, so fast forward to now, yeah. you know, today. You guys are together. You got you have several business initiatives going on. Um, talk to me a little bit about your, you know, the, the Dare Dreamer media business right sure. now and what it's all about. Why is it there? Mm -hmm. and, and what's the elevator pitch for that? Yeah, yeah. So the elevator pitch is that Dare Dreamer Media is a new media marketing and video production agency that uses primarily film and video, but other media as well, but primarily film and video to help our clients extend their brand, uh, market themselves, so web promos, viral videos, original online programming, that sort of thing. Uh, we produce educational DVDs for a lot of professional photographers and other companies uh, of that nature as well. So that's sort of like the elevator pitch of what we do. Mm -hmm. What brought us to where we are, when we started the business, uh, we were doing, we were wedding filmmakers. Mm -hmm. That's why a lot of people who start in the video business go that route because it's easy, it's what people know. It's very tough breaking into corporate into it's the corporate world. It's easy to break into, it's easy not to break easy in. to do. Yeah, mm. very great clarification. Anybody can print up business cards, you mean? Yeah. Right, <laughs> see that's why it's good having her because she's great at being able to make those kind of little touches that yeah. make a big difference. Uh, but right, it's, it's easy to break into, relatively speaking, but not necessarily easy to do really well. Mm -hmm. And we were blessed where, you know, I had a, a modicum of creative talent based on the responses I was getting from my clients, and I had a good business sense. So oftentimes an artist has the creative side, but not the business side. So mm -hmm. five years into the business, we were, you know, successful doing weddings. We primarily did high-end weddings, so, you know, we were doing around 20 a year, mm -hmm. and uh, maybe two-thirds of our business was weddings, and a third was corporate. And then around the spring of 07, I was working with a um, a coach that we had done some work for, like a business coach, and she was like, you know, Ron, you should break into the corporate world, mm -hmm. you know, because your work is so good, and, you know, you basically she was saying you shouldn't be, you know, uh, working so hard to convince someone to pay you five, $6,000 for a wedding. You could be doing work for companies who could pay you two to three times that much. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. a combination of working with her and then breaking into the photography industry, uh, not doing photography, but serving the photography industry with their videos is kind of what made us decide to f switch our focus from, from weddings primarily to commercial work. Mm. And so Cinematic Studios was our company. And uh, in 2007, we switched the focus and then doing a lot in, in the professional photography world. And really this year, we changed the name from Cinematic Studios to Dare Dreamer Media. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of ways, we started from scratch again mm -hmm. uh, in terms of the kind of clientele we're going after, um, positioning the company more as a new media marketing agency versus a video production company. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of like starting from scratch, building new clients. Um, and what, is, what does that mean, new media marketing? So I mean, when you think of new media, there's so many different ways that people describe it. But I, we think of new media as uh, social media like Twitter, Facebook, blogging, things of that nature. New media also includes things like podcasts and uh, videos that you can put on your iPhone and uh, other technologies that are being used today in order to get the word out there about a particular company, mm -hmm. rather than the traditional print or television advertising. So we think of ourselves as a company that, an idea company really. Mm -hmm. You know, when we were 
really pitching ourselves as a video production company, we always said along the side that we don't just make you a cool video. We don't just make you a cool video. We help you get it seen. Yeah. And so we always included some type of marketing consultation along with our services. So now we're just putting that forward. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons why we kind of made this switch was because uh, oftentimes, you know, you'd have clients who just want a video jockey. They want someone to shoot video for them. So t our company works by hiring contractors around the country to shoot. So we can do a job any part of the country. If a client doesn't want to hire me, particularly, we can send somebody local. Mm -hmm. But there were times where we would have... If they don't want to hire you, it's because they don't want to pay the premium. Right, <laughs> right, right. Like, oh, they don't mm -hmm. want me. They yeah, right. Like, <laughs> That's a good... See, it's more of those little touches. Mm -hmm. Like where if they want me, Ron Dawson, the head of the company, to shoot their video, then um, there's, usually, there's usually a premium attached than if we were to have one of our one of the filmmakers in our network do it. And yeah. so, so, but there was times where we would have a client in a particular area who we would send a contractor out, and then the next time the client needed a job, they would hire the contractor directly mm -hmm. instead of our company. Right. Um, the companies, but if we position ourselves as a, an agency, as a marketing company, as an idea company, then it doesn't really matter. The companies are hiring us because of what we bring to the table that a contractor doesn't bring. Mm -hmm. So... That's kind of like where we are now, and that's how we kind of evolve to where we are. And it's so, giving us opportunities so, so to let, exciting um, I just want to add to part of the evolution, too, was um, making the wedding videos and really like paying attention to what you're strengthened by, what do you enjoy. And so I would go out and shoot with him, but he was you know, the primary person, the primary artist. And he really started to see that the clients he connected with were the ones that allowed him to really use his creative ideas mm -hmm. in, in what they're doing, whether it was, you know, acting out movies like West Side Story and the brides are all dancing or mm -hmm. the, you know, the bridesmaids. And um, so really starting to see that what he wanted to do originally, which was filmmaking, mm -hmm. um, that corporate jobs really allowed him to sort of move into that a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And so I think that the evolution of the company is kind of in tandem with our evolution as as a couple, as people, as artists, and figuring out even more clearly who we are mm -hmm. and what we're really good at, and and then finding ways to use that in our business. Instead of just sort of being pigeonholed, okay, we're gonna be wedding videographers forever, which yeah. you know some people do, and if that's what they're good at and great at and, and love, that's perfect. Yeah. But if there's these other things that we're sort of pulling us and that and that he would see, he would be more excited about even doing jobs that he wasn't getting paid for if they sort of tapped into a different idea factory of, that he had. Um, we said, well, how do we get you to have that sort of excitement around everything that you're doing instead of just around some of these things? Right. And what is that? And so that, I think, is really kind of why it evolved even more was, was how can we get the business that we're doing more in line with what we're good at, mm -hmm. because then what we're giving to our clients is even more powerful as so well. Sounds like a, a classic case of playing to your strengths, recognizing yeah, exactly. what your strengths are and going there and, and not doing the things that you don't want to do yeah. that much, or at least not as much. Not as much, yeah. right, because right. so, we still you know, have to do things we don't want to do. Yeah, yeah, we all do. We yeah. all do. <laughs> um, so then, Tazra, what, what is your function? And you mentioned, I, I keyed in on a little thing you were saying there, that you, you help Ron shoot. Now, are you a shooter, or how does how do you fit into I, the, the I Daredreamer? Did. So when we when we started the business, um, you know, I was working full time. So mm -hmm. so I would go out and shoot with him, 
uh, on the weekends. And I did that for about two years until we had our son. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, you know, five months pregnant at a wedding and people were asking me if I needed to sit down. So we said, okay, I'm done. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, never really went back out. So I can shoot with him and I can second shoot. Um, mm -hmm. But again, that's not really my strength. Like I really am much more interested in photography and always have been. Mm -hmm. And so um, I kind of let him go there. My strengths really are, are more around <laughs> like organizing project management, um, systems mm -hmm. you know he's like the creative genius and I'm really uh, kind that's of the like the perfect compliment <laughs> yes. there because Ron like you were alluding to earlier most creatives unfortunately are saddled with not being very good business people yeah. you know it's oh I'll create some art and it will sell itself yeah. you know if you build it they will yes. come right. yes. unfortunately we learned that that's right. not the case yeah. <laughs> so you have to build it and then convince them to come exactly. <laughs> and keep convincing them exactly and then a lot of creators you know the, another side effect is uh, we often have very thin skins when it comes to our art so yes. if we create something that somebody criticizes like oh you don't understand me you know yeah. and go eat your ramen noodles yeah. right? <laughs> You know, they just don't get me. So. Yeah, so I'm also quality control. Speaking yeah. of that. <laughs> so, so there have been moments where the artist in him is, you know, doesn't necessarily want to hear what I have to say, but, yeah. but he will, you know, always come back and go, "You're right. It looks better. This is good." And it's and it's helped to train his eye from a woman's perspective, mm -hmm. because especially with brides or women, I w he would say, well, this is a great shot. And he would be looking at everything except for the double chin on the bride. And I'd be oh, saying, yeah. I don't care if everything else is perfect, you can't put that shot in. Yeah. And so, <laughs> he's smirking. <laughs> That's smirking, I agree, Dad. <laughs> and he, he, so he sees it now. I mean, it's yeah. amazing how even just a little bit of training like over and over, he'll do it and I'll be like, you're I'm a good. dog, basically. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Just roll over. Pavlov. Right. Pavlov's dog. dog. So then, okay. But uh, I want to say that she's the creative director for Dear Jimmy Mia. So mm -hmm. one thing she hasn't really touched on is her eye. Because when she worked for Apple Computer for a year, her job was design and, and doing the kind of things that are the right-brained. Right mm -hmm. brain is a creative one, right? I think yes. so. Yeah. So, so as the creative director, she is offering, like, I'll throw an ad together that we're going to put together. And she's like, oh, no. Right, right. She's like, she's Are you like, trying to drive people away, Ron? She's like, honey, really? Here, give it to me. Right? Or I'll work on a DVD design cover. And she's like, you know you're not supposed to do that. So, so she is an extremely creative eye, and uh, and sounds so, like a critical eye too. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, yes. I, I don't want her to undercut that aspect of her talents. Yeah. So then, working together, husband and wife team, uh, you're together all day, yep. you know, and presumably all night. You know, how do you manage that? How do you manage the 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 yin yang and just always being each in each other's space? Well, the, this year is actually the first year where I have gone full-time into our business. So I've always done something different, whether it was writing or working full-time outside the home. Mm -hmm. um, and he's been trying to get me to come full-time into the business since we got married. Yeah. Um, but I really hesitated because I didn't want to... I didn't want to lose like our marriage and our yeah. relationship and yeah. I and I had seen other couples who work together because there's so many in the photo and video industry sure lose the marriage and so then all of a sudden you become business partners and you're no longer marriage partners right. and so I sort of was avoiding that because of that and then we went to a conference 
that was about photography and marriage, which was one put on by Jeffrey and Julia Woods. Mm -hmm. and, and it was there when I sort of was able to pinpoint that feeling that that was why I was afraid to join the company full time. Mm -hmm. and, and so then we sat down and talked about it and negotiated and I said, this is what I need. We need to stop at certain times and we need to go on dates and we need to s sort of set these boundaries around it. Yeah. And, and so since December now, we've been working full time together and we love it. I mean, yeah. we really do. We, I think, have gotten really clear about what we're both good at. Just like I can say really clearly what he's good at and he can say really clearly what I'm good at. Almost more than we can say about ourselves because we see it in each other. Yeah. So I don't ask him to do things that I know, like, like project management. I don't say, okay, I need you to do the project management now because that's just not his strength. And he doesn't ask me to make phone calls because I hate talking on the phone. Yeah. So really just dividing the duties and knowing, knowing your spouse well enough to be able to divide that. Dividing, yeah. dividing the duties and drawing clear yeah. lines of demarcation between yeah. business and family. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah, actually there are a couple of professional photographers out of Canada. Um, uh, Jennifer, um, Jim Bebb, and Steve Bebb. Mm -hmm. And they were at this one conference last year and they gave a presentation. That was one of the key things that they talked about that uh, made their business work so well together was having very delineated duties. So I think we got a lot out of that as, in terms of going into this with her being full-time in the business. Okay. So then um, on to the, continuing on the tangent on business, mm -hmm. uh, going from Cinematic Studios to Dare Dreamer Media. Mm -hmm. um, you're in Dare Dreamer Media now. Cinematic right. Studios was the booster rocket right. and that's fallen <laughs> off to the side. That's right? a good analogy. I like that. Can I use that? In the it's all yours. <laughs> It's falling off to the side. So now, Dear Dream Media is full force. Uh -huh. And how's it going? It's going good. We're really excited about the things that we're doing. I mean, the opportunities that we're having in terms of the people that we're meeting, and in mm -hmm. terms of the companies that we're being allowed to work with, uh, in terms of the initiatives that we're doing, is really exciting. Um, I mean, we're not going to be retiring anytime soon. <laughs> um, but I think, well, like I said, we're pretty much started from scratch. And so, mm -hmm. All the well, starting from scratch with a gigantic right network network of people that know you and love your work right, right exactly yeah. so, <laughs> so. Uh, but but you know all the you know all of the anxiety and challenges that come with starting a business from scratch are still there even though we have that network mm -hmm. so you know wondering when the phone's going to ring and sure. wondering when that email is going to come in saying here's that next big job and sure. um, you know there you know right now a lot of people are talking about the economy and you know we don't want to like focus on the negative aspects but that is something that that's a challenge that we deal with too and so has that hit you at the, the, the yeah I mean, recession? I, I mean yeah I would I'm sure say it that, has but yeah. I mean has it has it really because you sounds like if I get my timeline uh, right you launched dare dreamer media right when the economy was like swirling going down the drain yeah yeah pretty much it's like <laughs> you know, you know uh, we pretty much launched the company right when everything was you know like you said going down the drain it's like oh this is a great time to start a new business exactly. and then move out of state yeah, <laughs> so yeah. all new people but you guys moved to a uh, an economy yeah. with yeah. with lighter gravity than the bay area <laughs> yeah yeah yes. and, and actually continuing I mean, on with the space theme right right, right. i mean <laughs> it's a good one and really, I was really, you know, moving out of the Silicon Valley was what really helped her to come on full time. Because mm -hmm. if we stayed in the Bay Area, she would have to, ha one of us would have to have a full time six job, figure, six high figure tech job, page right. check come in all right. the time. Yeah. Um, but where'd you move to? We moved to the Atlanta area. So mm -hmm. we live in a, 
um, in a suburb of Atlanta, mm-hmm. and uh, and we love it. I mean, we just the people, the, the, our neighbors, the people. Um, we now have a twice the house for half the rent, and mm-hmm. so you're it's in just, Dennis Reggie's neighborhood, right? Not in his neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not quite there yet. It's around the corner, so to speak. Corner, so to speak. <laughs> across the tracks. <laughs> right? yeah. A few tracks. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, going back to your original question about how it's going, uh, right now we have a lot of things that we're working on that are really exciting. We just came out with a new book that was published by Peach Pit, a mm-hmm. uh, four-color book about, you know, creative ways to evolve your video business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have a podcast that's going well. I, we're speaking at both photography and video conventions. That's great. Um, we're working, we have some, you know, clients now that we're working with that are um, giving us an opportunity to do some really exciting and intriguing things. You know, uh, we're going to be doing something for Big Taj that's going to be interesting. We're mm-hmm. going to be doing a few projects for them which are going to be interesting. Uh, where you have this commercial photographer we're working with out of New York that is uh, we're doing some interesting stuff for so we're really excited about the clients that we have on Dear Dreamer Media mm-hmm. and I think that what we're doing with Dear Dreamer Media is like a nice compliment to the photography side of the business which in a lot of ways we're even more excited about so yeah. uh, things are things are going well now and things could always be better and well I think one thing that that when you talk about economy, when you talk about how the business is doing, I think the one thing that's different about Ron and I is that we're willing to make choices and sacrifices for the business mm-hmm. or for the life that we want to live. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think that a lot of people aren't willing to, like if you're living in the Bay Area, they're not willing to leave the Bay Area so that someone can stop working or right. to pursue a dream. Mm-hmm. Um, Ron was willing to leave his six-figure job to open a open a business and make a go of it and Mm -hmm. and we were willing to not ever buy a house living in the bay area so that we could fund the business and so we we're willing to make a lot of those sacrifices you know go down to one car instead of two cars so that Mm -hmm. we can so we can do the things that we love and and so i think that a lot of what we do and i think a lot of a lot of we get a lot of emails individually about how inspiring we are to people and how encouraged they are by seeing what we're doing and i think it's because we really focus on sort of what we want to do and what we're mm-hmm. passionate about and living that passion and we're willing we're not trying to make a million dollars it would be great if that came mm-hmm. but but we're really more concerned about living the life we want spending time with each other spending time with our kids inspiring other people yeah. and and even if we've taken a hit um, you know economically with the business we you know we'll talk about well how great is it that we are paying all, all of our bills mm-hmm. you know and we are able to employ people like all of our contractors who are able to stay in business too yeah because that's a great feeling to know that not only are you doing what you want to do maybe we're not making a million dollars and living the high life but the reality is that there are a lot of contractors who will send thanks to us because they're saying thank you for the extra job this got me through this month and mm-hmm. thank you for paying me on time and all of those things that that means a lot to us and so yeah that yeah. excites us even you know and the projects that we're doing that excites us and so mm-hmm. it's the journey right it, it sounds like it's the journey you're focus focused on, on the journey and yeah. quality of life now right. rather than some grandiose you right, know right. in the future we're gonna have our island and we're gonna live like yeah. tony robbins you know? right, right. <laughs> you know, you know we want to live good now and have a, a good and standard live. of life and yeah live. and live life because yeah. so many people aren't living life whether or not they're 
you know, working in a job that they hate and every day is a pain or they're trying to make it and, and they're not satisfied with what they're getting because yeah. it's not what someone else is or what the celebrities are getting. It's like yeah. it doesn't, like that stuff doesn't matter. And so I think we're a little more grounded in that way. And we, and we could, yeah, and we could easily each be working twice as many hours a week that we do. Yeah. But, you know, I usually start work around 9, 9.30 and I stop around 5, 5.30 mm-hmm. uh, to either pick up my son from preschool and then reconnect with the kids and so you know we make conscious decisions to that in some way affect the business you know mm-hmm. you know we you know I do go back to work you know frequently sometimes to you know help with the backlog or mm-hmm. work some stuff after the kids are done but for the most part you know I'm always stopping work at 5 5 30 and you know, unless we have a, a gig to shoot on the weekend, you know, I'm not. You'll, you'll sneak in a Twitter post every now and then. Yeah, <laughs> Twitter's easy. I mean, we Twitter from, from the toilet. If yeah. you to. We don't need to know that, that right? <laughs> Tom's like, he did not say that. <laughs> to 40, he I'm did not say that. writing a book, Twittering from the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> So what about that? Social media. Yeah. You know. (laughs) Not about the toilet, about the social media. I know you've sort of taken that flag and you've been waving Uh social media as, you know. We've been waving that flag for three years, actually. Yes. Started with blogging. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So where where is it now and where is it going? Social media? Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, From a a photographer's perspective, you know. Because I, I, you know, I'll I'll, I'll qualify that question a little bit because I... I do a lot of twittering, and I, right. you know, I watch a lot of people, and mm-hmm. a lot of the trends that I see from photographers, in particular, um, on Twitter and mm-hmm. Facebook, is very much self-promotional. Mm-hmm. You know, it's you know, every tweet or every other tweet, at least, right. is about, hey, look at what I'm doing. I've got this workshop, right. or look at this great shot I did, or I booked this wedding, or hey, I'm in Cabo, and you're not, right. you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, so they're they're very focused on self-promotional uh-huh. stuff. Is that Correct? Is that the right thing for, for photographers question. to be doing? Or ah. should they be more, hey, I'm uh, you know, hanging out with my kids watching TV, you know? Well, I, I mean, if you're going to use Twitter for business, I don't, I think there is, uh, it's, it's all about balance, you know, mm-hmm. and as everything is in life. Um, I think if too many of your tweets are geared towards self-promotion, you could lose people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know what percentage of your followers even understand Twitter, but, yeah. you know, essentially... They, they probably all do. Yeah. You know? if, yeah. They're, if they're listening to podcasts, they know what Twitter is. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, I always like to say that it, it's about balance. So, I do a lot, obviously, self-promotion on Twitter, but I also, also try to give a lot. So, I try to retweet other tweets and other people and other blog posts that I think would be good resources for the people who have chosen to follow me. Mm-hmm. So whether that could be, you know, t- retweeting somebody, another videographer mm-hmm. who has a great tip about workflow, retweeting another photographer who has a great tip about, you know, shooting with a particular camera. Yeah. Um, I Knowing that a lot of my followers are either in the photography or the videography realm, I, and being someone like myself who follows social media, I'll also try to retweet a lot of social media experts mm-hmm. so that my photography and videography followers can get a little bit of that. Yeah. So, like, for instance, one person who I love following is Chris Brogan, who is a new media, social media uh, marketer, uh, PR guy, and he has, a huge, he has like 93,000 followers. He's a huge following, but he has great blog posts on navigating the social media. Mm-hmm. You know, Chris Brogan... Um, is his Twitter handle. And so I'll frequently retweet something from him mm-hmm. or from Mashable 
or from um, social media 411, things yeah. like that, where I know my followers who aren't necessarily as into social media as I am may get some great tidbits. Yeah. Um, and like one thing Chris Brogan talks about is having, you know, three times, I think he talks about having like 12 times more tweets about other people than himself. Yeah. I don't necessarily push that, but yeah. that's something that he talks about. And so I think it's very important that if you're using Twitter effectively, you want to use it in a way that does self-promote, obviously, but also really gives back to the greater community, whether sure. it's information about uh, some topic that you know people are going to like. Mm-hmm. Um, and then get a little bit of yourself, because Twitter is sort of, they, it's called micro-blogging, because it's a way well, to show yourself. I think you should give a lot of yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think Twitter should be an extension of your personality. Yeah. Because the people who are always self-promoting, mm-hmm. that's probably what they're like in person. And so they probably don't have as many followers. And the people yeah. who are giving on Twitter are the people who are going to be giving in life. I mean, I, I think that whether or not people try to do it or not, it's going to be an extension of your personality. So mm-hmm. if if maybe you aren't the most giving person, then yeah. it's probably good to, to start thinking about that and to know who your audience is and, and what they're looking for so that you can do that and connect yeah. other people. You know, this person should meet this person and this person was talking about that. And um, so I think that that it, people should think about that and, and people don't want to follow someone who's self-promoting all the time the same way you don't want to sit across a dinner table from someone who's always talking about exactly. themselves. Exactly. Yeah, it's kind of like, it, for me, it, it, yeah, I was sitting um, in, the, in the movie theater last week, one of the uh, Century Theaters here, mm-hmm. you know, and they run the, what, 20 minutes of ads yes. before they get to the feature right. film. Yes. And I was thinking, this is kind of like when you follow people on Twitter <laughs> <laughs> that blatantly so promote themselves yeah. when you're, you know. But the only, the only problem is you can't unfollow a theater. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but yeah, I think, I, I think you're absolutely right, Tazra. You know, when, you know, when people blatantly self-promote themselves, and I, blatantly is a, is a, has a negative connotation. I think mm. when you overly self-promote yourself yeah. and you, you push Twitter to the or your your followers and you train them to only know or to think that only, only thing that's coming out of this person is, ads, is workshop you know is workshop is or workshop. you know this great thing I did and you know, even if it's thinly veiled like hey I'm having a great lunch with insert photographer name here you know right. kind of thing you know it's it, people get that and mm-hmm. and fortunately or unfortunately people that are on Twitter and people that are following you are smart you know mm-hmm. so they're gonna know after one or two tweets okay this person is just selling me something you mm-hmm. know so you know I would I would caution people out there to yeah definitely do what Tyler said right. and inject more of yourself in there mm-hmm. and you know if people like you they'll follow you yeah and, w- and one thing that we try to do is like, is even if you add something personal it's always good to engage yeah. so for instance uh, I tweeted the other day I was working late at night and then my son laughed in his sleep and I said you know you know my four-year-old boy was just laughing and what's more sweeter there's nothing sweeter than the sound of your child laughing in his sleep yep, yep. Uh, in his sleep what moves you yeah and so just that one little question is like you're engaging your followers for them to share so mm-hmm. you're not just saying, hey, my boy laughing asleep, isn't that cute? Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah that's cute, but what moves you? So giving other start people... Start the conversation. Start the, exactly. Yeah. Twitter can be a two-way conversation. And I frequently get more responses when I tweet something like that than when I tweet a blog post. Yeah. Because um, people love being able to share what moves them. They want to talk about their four-year-old. And so sure. 
Um, I think when you do things like that, when you create a conversation on Twitter, you get more out of it. Now, both of you are on Twitter, and both of you have a, a large amount of followers. Mm -hmm. um, how do you manage responses? So That's a good question. People, you know, and, and Facebook followers, you yeah. know, do you follow everybody? So we'll start with the first thing. Mm -hmm. You tweet something out and people respond to you mm -hmm. and they ask you a particular thing. Right. Maybe it's not professional, maybe they just respond to you and say, hey Ron, what's the best book out there on videography? Right. Not your own, you know. Right. <laughs> the second best book out there. The second best book out there on right. video, in the video business. Right. Um, do you respond to everybody that mentions you or references you on Twitter? Or I try to, yeah. I mean, Every I, single person? I try to, I mean, I don't, uh, I mean, I haven't gotten to the level where it's so like I'm not like a Chris Brogan has 93,000 mm -hmm. and you know he has a couple of great articles on how he does it because uh, he has he I mean he has 93,000 followers and he follows like tens of thousands of people mm. so oh wow he, yeah okay. so using tools like um, uh, like TweetDeck or Seismic uh, or you know Tweety on your uh, cell phone are ways in which you can stay connected but you know I you know I frequently throughout the day every now and then will to look at my at replies to see if someone has mentioned me and then mm -hmm. usually if someone mentions me in a, in a positive way like retweet something I'll try to like if I'm not following them I will follow them mm -hmm. and then I'll try at some point down the line try to retweet something that they've done like give back but yeah I do like just yesterday a couple of days ago someone you know tweeted me you know hey Ron um, asked the question about shooting with HD mm -hmm. and so I started uh, conversation with this person and I told him, you know, there's only so much you can put in 140 characters, you know, email me, I can give you more details. Sure. Yeah. Um, I have my tweet status connected to my Facebook status, so frequently I'll tweet something and I'll get sometimes more responses from my Facebook yeah. followers than my Twitter followers and then um, I've set my email to filter my Facebook to one location so it's easy to see them all, all, all together. put together, yeah. And I can quickly go in and see which ones are responses to comments I've made. And, uh, and then, yeah, I will try to respond if there is, like, a specific question directed to me about how to do something. Yeah. Tazra, how do you manage? I always try to respond. Um, but, like, even today I was asking for suggestions on a new photo blog name. Mm -hmm. And so I got tons of responses. And so instead of responding individually to each person saying, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, I sort of... You know, in that kind of thing where someone is just giving one response back, I'll, I'll put all of the at signs. So I had like seven people and put all of their at signs and then said thanks for the, you know, mm -hmm. feedback on this. Um, if yeah. it was something that really struck me, like, wow, that was a great idea, then I'll respond personally to that. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I like it when I'm tweeting someone if they will respond to me. So I sort of just, you know. Yeah, yeah. do one to others. Yeah, yeah. I, I do. I try to because... You know, until it gets overwhelming. What about following people? Are you, like you mentioned, the mm -hmm. what's his name, the guy, the, the social media? Chris Brogan. Chris, Chris Brogan. Brogan yeah. So you mentioned he, he has, he's following tens and thousands of people. Right. Are you guys following everybody that follows you, or do you have a select small group of people that you follow? You want to answer first? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't follow everyone who follows me, mm -hmm. um, but I don't have a select small group. So when I first started, which was just a couple months ago, because... Ron was saying, you need to get on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And I went, oh, okay, fine. Um, <laughs> Kicking and screaming, now yes, you can't stop. Basically, yeah. Um, and he's getting nervous, I'm going to pass him up. Yeah. So <laughs> he frequently is more aware of my numbers than I am. Um, T-A-S-R-A Dawson <laughs> yes. on Twitter, by the way. <laughs> oh, great. Thank you. <laughs> 
Well, it helped that uh, Scott Bourne tweeted on my birthday that everyone should follow me as a birthday present. Oh, awesome. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. he's got, what, 35,000 yeah. followers? Yeah, so that was yeah. kind of helpful. Um, yeah, right. So, no, at first... My birthday's October 2nd, Scott. But <laughs> thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. When I started, I kept it really small because I was like, I do not have time to follow a ton of people, and I don't really want to know what all these people are doing. Mm-hmm. You know, if people want to follow me, fine, but I didn't even really care mm-hmm. that way either. Yeah, um, and it, it's a long, it's a lot of noise that comes through. Is, the more people you follow, yeah, yeah. And I just, didn't, I was like, I just don't need this. And so, so then, but once I started getting in the hundreds of followers, it was like, well. I got to do it. I mean, I have to follow more people, and then some people are interesting, and so I just look at people's feeds, and if it's if it's not a bunch of self promotion, if it's not five tweets in a row that are all the same URL to their blog, mm-hmm. you know, and if it's not like fifty re- at replies to everybody else, yeah, then I'll follow them. But yeah. if it's something that it really looks like it's going to just junk up and be too much, I won't. Yeah. Or if it's if it's someone that is not doing anything that seems like remotely that they would even be interested in what I'm doing or what right there's got to be some connection there yeah, and I, I tend to agree with you as well because I, I tend to follow people that are um, doing stuff that I care about I yeah. mean it's like a it's like a crowded room and if you're able to if you're in a room full of people or a party imagine if you were able to just make people shut up yeah. that you don't want to hear what they're <laughs> talking about and only hear the people yeah. that yeah. have conversations that you care about yeah. listen to so that's kind of how I manage the Twitter yeah. people as well okay so moving on sharing mm. so uh, talk to me about so I was reading this um, this Facebook post today um, and it was from a person that was basically talking about how you know, they're a professional photographer and they got feedback from someone saying hey tell me how to do X Y and Z and their response back to that person was go to my workshop <laughs> 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 Tell me how you feel about that. It costs only $5,200. Exactly. For, for a limited hours. time only. But I'll give you a 4% discount if you act now. Mention Facebook. Exactly. Right. Well, I don't know if there's something in the water, but this is a topic that's been coming up. So, like, this is a huge topic right now in one of the videographer uh, forums that I frequent. Um, and I won't go into details about what happened, but basically the conversation has been how much is too much to share? Like, how much information... Should one professional share with another without quote giving away their secrets? Yeah. And so this is my take, and I recently blogged about this. Um, my take is that um, there's first of all there's different types of sharing. There's a difference between sharing general information that's out in the world anyway mm-hmm. um, that you have knowledge of versus sharing like Coke sharing its secret formula mm-hmm. or you know. McDonald's sharing the secret sauce. You know, yeah. there's a difference between you know giving information that truly is proprietary that helps set you apart, and sharing information that other people could find, but maybe because of your experience, you could tell them right now. So yeah. I'm a firm believer of um, being able to share that information. That's why I blog. That's why I like to write blog articles about business, about mm-hmm. marketing, mm-hmm. about video. Um, t- my limited experience and knowledge about photography, and. And I think it comes back. So, like in my blog post, I wrote, if you don't want to share for the altruistic reasons of giving back to your industry, because I believe in the video industry, I think there's a long way we need to go in order to advance our perception amongst people who are our clients, whether you're a wedding videographer or even a commercial videographer. And so I think 
the more that we can help elevate our colleagues, the better. Like a, a you know a raising tide, a rising tide raises all ships, and mm-hmm. so I firmly believe in that. And and it feels great being able to give back to your industry. I love it when we get emails from people who've read our book and said, your book has really done a lot for me. I came at a perfect time. And, or I love that blog post you did. Or when people say, Ron, I love what you're doing in this industry. So that, I love those warm fuzzies. Mm-hmm. But from a business aspect, it's good to share too. Because you know a lot of people who do share uh, frequently do have workshops and DVDs and things like that. Mm-hmm. But the difference is, that's not the only time they're going to share. Like if you were to ask somebody who has an expensive workshop, who has an expensive DVD, like how do you do so and so? Like Mike Cologne, he's mm-hmm. a you know very prominent wedding photographer, does celebrity weddings. You know, for the most part, if you ask Mike about something, he's not going to say come in my workshop. Sure. I mean, yeah. he's Mike Cologne because he has he is a giver. He has somebody, and he's giving back because so many people have given to him. Mm-hmm. And I think I think a lot of people who who do that. Like myself, when I came into the industry, there were so many people who were giving to me of their knowledge and their time. It's like, how can I not give back? Yeah. And so, yeah, I have you know speaking things and things I would like people to buy, coaching sessions. But uh, I think you get so much more personally and for the industry if, if you just give without having necessarily to have a price tag attached to it. Yeah. And Tasha, where do you fall on that, on the whole sharing? Should you share or should you... Keep it all Keep together it all and yourself. sell it. She has a workshop about sharing you can come to. That explain awesome. all that. It's only twenty four ninety five. No, I pretty much agree with, with yeah. everything he said. I think that I think that, you know, people people are I don't know. I agree with everything he said. Yeah, yeah. People are what? I think that there's so I mean, we're like past the information age. There's so much information out there yeah. and people are so busy and in business, it, everybody's just trying to make it. Yep. And if there's if there's a blog post that we can write that is practical and gives someone a tool that changes their workflow so that they save 30 minutes a day, mm-hmm. I mean, that's huge. Yeah, and don't charge them to come get that, yeah. that yeah. nugget of information. Yeah, like we have, you know, we put up on our blog post, you know, I have, one of the things that she talks about is managing time. And so one of the, a great way to manage time is being able to track your time. Like, how much do you spend on on these things? So, I created a, a FileMaker Pro database that I use to track time, and we talked about it in our book. And so, we uploaded it on our blog, so you could download the database that I use to track time, the database that we mm. use to um, track how long we work on a particular project, yeah. and and so it, you know it helps. It took me a long time to make it, so I could say you know charge. I could charge it. For it, but, for but, and people know, do. And, yeah. and there's and, nothing wrong with that per yeah. se, but I think I think if your only incentive to share is to get paid, or you will only share if you're getting paid, uh, that's I, yeah. I think you're you're gonna uh, yeah, you you sort of short, short circuit the whole social yeah. part of social media. You know, I think that's a great way of putting it. Yeah, yeah anti-social media. Yeah. <laughs> You could use that. Yeah, yeah that's all you I'm, I'm writing these down. <laughs> so a lot of there's been a lot of sort of hubbub around the emergence or the emergence. I don't know if that's a word. <laughs> the merging uh, or the mixing of traditional still photography or digital photography with video and high definition uh, videography, especially with these new cameras that can do that. You know that are that are out there like the 5D Mark II, etc. Um, where do you fall on that? Should 
should photographers be like if you're I'm a photographer I've been shooting I understand I'm you know I'm a wedding photographer I've been shooting and I can create albums and you know I've got a good client base but now I have this new 5D that does this beautiful high definition video should I uh, add video to my list of services? <laughs> no, I think you should refer the business to your local wedding videographer who needs a job. No. Uh, seriously, I think it really comes down to what's good for your business. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, this whole fusion thing that is going around, I think that's kind of, it's a funny term. You kind of have to use it now because everyone's using it. But, you know, the, the, the idea of combining stills and video it's, it, I think it's funny that so many people are treating it like it's new because, you know, a lot of, you know, professional video producers and videographers have been doing that for over a decade, you know, mm -hmm. taking photos and mixing those photos in with their video. Mm -hmm. I think, and frankly, uh, still cameras have had the ability to shoot video for a while mm -hmm. and video cameras have had the ability to shoot stills for a while. Obviously, with, you know, the quality that's come out of video DSLRs like the 5D in particular, but even most recently, uh, you know, the Panasonic Lumix GH1 and the Nikon's D90, you have mm -hmm. a, a level of video that you've never had before. So naturally, photographers are looking at the, looking at this new possible business resource. Mm -hmm. And whether or not you should add it really comes down to your business. And one of the things that, one of my soapboxes is looking at yourself as a media producer versus a video producer or, or a photographer and mm -hmm. I think I think one of the reasons why we, we've sort of like position position Dare Dreamer Media the way we have is because we don't want to be because you, you don't know what the next big thing is you know, right now it's video some other time it could be a few years from now it could be something else mm -hmm. so uh, I think it makes sense to explore adding video if you're a photographer and I think if you're a videographer it makes sense like we have done um, explore adding photography mm -hmm. and I think particularly in the wedding space, I think more and more brides are going to be looking for one studio that can offer both. Mm -hmm. And if you can offer both, why not? Now, does that necessarily mean you should be the guy who is behind the camera? No. Mm -hmm. You could bring in a partner who's good at video. Mm -hmm. You could hire somebody who's good at it. Um, I think a, a number of the uh, high-profile wedding photographers who are offering video um, are working with other video professionals either to do the editing or to do the shooting yeah. and so and even video professionals who uh, are adding using like the fire d for instance are bringing other people too so um, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be the person doing it but i think it's worthwhile looking into where that yeah, you, should. you should you should be aware of the the movements and yeah. the technology you don't Absolutely. necessarily have to become a master exactly of it so, so in that that is the question i mean can I mean, I suppose anything's possible, but mm -hmm. can a photographer who spent, so Tasha, you, 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 you're a photographer. You've been shooting, you know, you have your eye, you know what you like. Is it easy for you? I mean, in close proximity to somebody that is a videographer, you know, that does motion media and sound and understands that stuff intrinsically, how easy is it for you to try to translate into that world? I think the eye is the easiest thing to translate. So I know what to look for. And so, you know, when I'm, when I'm second shooting for video, I, I know what to look for and, and I can figure out the camera settings and I know how to focus. I mean, I, so I can, I can shoot actually a lot easier um, just with that skill set. Mm -hmm. But 
when it comes to the editing piece of it, which I think is really kind of what's in question. I mean, that it's not, there's not, I think, a huge difference as far as just getting the shot. Yeah. I think the audio piece of it, oh, um, yeah. you know, I leave that to Ron anyways when I'm shooting. He'll set up the mics and he'll do that and he'll yeah. test it and make sure it's okay. So I'm not, I'm not doing that piece of it. Um, and, and I'm not editing and I've never edited and I'll, I'll sit and watch him sometimes and I'll look at the pieces and, and I can have an eye and say, I think this should be here and I think this should look like this and here's the general idea, mm -hmm. but I am not sitting down doing that because that is... There's a whole different set of disciplines that yeah. come into play when you start doing video from sound to software, you know, mm -hmm. you're going to Final Cut, you're going to Premiere right. Pro, you're going to play in After Effects, all this stuff. Yeah to storage because yeah. HD video takes a gigantic yeah. amount of space Absolutely. you know and you have to start doing that so you go from uh, a Lightroom aperture workflow or mm. bridge workflow okay yeah here's an image I tweak it I crop it I'm done next image right. to something completely different. Oh, absolutely absolutely I mean what goes into making a really good video uh, is is so much and so anyone who's going into it I would say if you are going to go into it go into it to learn the craft just like mm -hmm. you did with your photography so that I mean one of the concerns about that people in my industry have is you know a bunch of photographers getting into the industry and making crappy video yeah. you know they may be great photographers but that doesn't make you a good videographer and so you know, are you going to have equipment so you can get steady shots, particularly with the 5D, where mo where if you don't have fluid fluid shots, you get rolling shutter and all these other kind of aspects that come along with that kind of camera. And so, are you going to have the, the correct equipment to get clear, clear, uh, clean audio? Yeah. And then, are you going to be able to really craft a story well? In the editing. Yeah, that's the other piece. Storytelling. It's, story yeah. it's, it's not just, okay, here's some pictures of the bride getting right. ready. Okay, here's some pictures of right. the groomsmen right. jumping up and down on the lawn. You right. know, you have to weave something right. together. And, and you know? I've seen a lot of quote unquote fusion pieces, you know, video mixed with photos. And, you know, for me, a lot of times the, the placement of the photos just feel random. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like whenever I'm placing photos in a video, I'm really thinking about, okay, what does the photo bring to the video stream that the video doesn't? Mm -hmm. You know, and um, if, if it's just throwing in a, a photo, just to throw in a photo, does that really make sense? Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, mixing video and photo just for the sake of mixing it isn't necessarily the best way to tell a story. Yeah. And so, um, if, you are, if you are a photographer and you want to add video to your offering, really think about what you're going to offer, what's going to set you apart, and what makes sense. Yeah. Well, and I think even deeper than that is think about who you are. Because we mm -hmm. talked about how our business evolved and, and where we are now is because we figured out who we were mm -hmm. and, and got connected with that. What are we good at? What are we strong at? And what do we like doing? What mm -hmm. inspires us to get up in the morning? And I think that you know, even beyond looking at, is this good for your business? You know, if you're, if you find someone else to do it, that's great. But if it's something that you're not interested in and you're doing it because you're supposed to, yeah. or because you might make more money at it, mm -hmm. then you're not going to be inspired to do it. And it's it will show be tracked from your photography that you're really good at. Yeah. And so it doesn't make sense to go into something just because financially it might make sense or business-wise it might make sense. If if in the long run it's really going to detract from the thing that brought you into it in the first place, it's going to detract from you being able to hone your craft more yeah. in photography because you should really get good at that and mm -hmm. be the best at that before you even start 
going back to level one of video, right. which you may not even be that interested in. Mm -hmm. So it just, to me, it's even more than just, does it make good business sense? It's who are you? And, mm -hmm. and does it make sense for you as a person, as an artist? Yeah, that's like one, one of the things that, that I, I said on the show, we were talking about this a while back, and uh, uh, a phrase that I use that I think that might start <laughs> coming up more and more to refer to people that uh -huh. sort of try to become jack of all trades, is uh, uh, multimediocrity, <laughs> you know, because you now you just have people that are okay at a bunch of stuff instead of stellar at yeah. a couple of things, you know, right. dull knives instead of one really sharp yeah. knife, Absolutely. you know. So, so Ron, there's this new service that, that it's not new, but they just evolved um, called Animoto. Have you uh, heard of them? Oh yeah, I know. So Animoto just added video yeah, to their I'm offerings. Gonna, I'm going to be blogging about it. Mm -hmm. So what do, you, what do you think about that? I, I think it's the wave of the future. I, and it's one of the things why I talk about really knowing who you are and setting yourself apart and going with change. Oftentimes, some of my most controversial blog posts have been ones where I've talked about change that's coming and then people who don't like change complain. And they bitch and complain. Yeah. I mean, one post I did was... Uh, what I call my Debbie Digital post. You know, I talked about, and Debbie Digital is, it's meant to be a bad term, you know, about someone who has the fun with her, mom. the soccer mom has fun with the digital camera and then she wants to start. She doesn't really get into the craft. Yeah. But, you know, in this post I described someone named Deborah who takes her digital camera and is interested in photography, but she doesn't have a Brooks or a Hallmark degree. And, mm -hmm. um, but she is, you know, going to workshops. She's internet savvy. She's social media savvy. She's, um, and she's being very successful at it. And it's really, but I never really intonated that it was a bad thing. It, mm -hmm. um, it was just, this is where I see the future going, you know, and she gives her clients digital files and they instantly populate all the digital frames in her in her home, the 30 by 24 digital frame, and um, the frames at dad's office automatically get populated via the internet. I mean, that's where I see it going. Mm -hmm. and, um, and instead of setting specific numbers, she has um, on the back of her camera a um, a, a burry background button, and she just uh -oh. adjusts the burry background button oh, to yeah. get the kind of bokeh she wants. Yeah, and, and it's funny because the <laughs> Canon 5D actually has something like that. Oh well, most uh, cameras have most, that right. portrait mode. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. So, so it actually says, "Do you want it more blurry?" So in Creative Auto, so we were just—I I mean, I just discovered really? this. I was yeah. reading the manual in yeah. Creative Auto. It's CA on the 5D Mark II. It will say, "Do you want it more blurry or less blurry?" And yeah. do you want it darker or brighter? The little and icons. You, yeah. Wow. I had yeah. no idea. So. My and then you just hit the button over. I want it this way, or I want it. And then I'll way. adjust the camera. Yeah. So, so you have uh, no idea what your settings are. You don't. You don't even know what it's doing. Right. Yeah. And that's anathema just, to I'm sure scary. a lot yeah. of people. So the thing, and that's not to say don't know your craft. I mean, when, but what it is to say, going back to your animal question, is technology is changing the way we do business, the way that photographers and videographers are going to need to offer their products, mm -hmm. and. We're getting past the day where you need to have that kind of level of knowledge about the specifics in order to be a success at the business. Mm -hmm. And so how are you going to evolve? And so, you know, you have a service like Animoto, the kind of slideshows that they do years ago would be, would you'd have to charge hundreds of dollars to do that kind of effect. Yeah. Now you can do it for free with Animoto mm -hmm. or for relatively inexpensively. Yeah. How does that change the slideshow business? Mm -hmm. um, the 5D Mark II 
you know, a big business in the video world has been 35 millimeter adapters, which these are adapters that you put on your regular video camera and they give you the ability to use interchangeable lenses like that we have a DSR to get that really nice shallow depth of field look. Sure. With the 5D and other cameras like that, you know, that's a business that's changing, you know? Yeah. And so with now Animoto being able to add video, it won't be long before you're gonna be able to create a video highlight of say like a wedding or something that's cool that's cutting edge that you were able to do in 10 minutes online yeah and how, high definition and high definition yeah. how are you going to, how are you going to deal with and that distribute it are you yeah. going to sit inside yeah. are you going to sit on the sidelines and complain a bitch about i keep saying bitch. So yeah you need to <laughs> say, <laughs> use that word right. it's getting late now it's right. Right. <laughs> it's dark. but are you going to sit on the sidelines <laughs> and complain about um technology how it's changing the Environment, or are you going to come up with a way to um, evolve your business in such a way where it doesn't matter, where that can be a compliment to what you offer? Yeah. Um, you know, sort of like us evolving the company to a marketing agency versus a production company, we were seeing something happening with, you know, jobs going to subcontractors. So we're pushing ourselves as an idea company. And that yeah. might be the solution. It's like when services like Animoto come out, if you're hanging your hat on the ability to create a cool cutting edge slideshow and video, and now someone else can do it in five minutes for free, yeah, you need they, to change your business. They just took the wind out of your sails. Right, right. Yeah. And so and you can't complain about it. You gotta go with the flow. And so what, what do you see, do you see services like this and, you know, say, Taja, your, your example with the 5D, the new 5D, the fact that they're sort of abstracting all the f-stop and shutter speed nuances into blurrier and sharper and <laughs> yeah. brighter and darker. Is that, in services like Animoto, is that just a case of technology? You know, because the, the definition or one of the definitions of technology is taking complex things and making them simple or making them approachable to people. So is it, is that, is, are we just looking at evolution and pretty soon no one will know what an f-stop is? <laughs> You know? yeah. I, yeah. Think, I think part of it's evolution of technology, but I think our, part of it is also companies being aware of who their audience is because mm -hmm. they're the, the soccer mom and the people who are um, looking at these cameras and, and using them, you know, the advanced amateur, the people yep. who love what they're doing, but they're not a professional, may never be a professional, um, but, but love photography, want to learn it, but don't necessarily, they have a full-time job or they have a family. So they don't have time to go to Brooks and get a degree, and they yeah. don't even want to. They just want good pictures. And so companies that are aware of that can create functions on these cameras because it's one setting. So yeah. this creative auto setting means that all of a sudden there's a whole audience that will buy this camera that wouldn't have if it didn't have that setting on sure. it. Sure, yeah. And so I think that's smart business for the camera companies. Yeah, yeah. I think, Ron, where do you fall on the, this? the idea that with these new technologies that are coming out, like the Animoto stuff and the, the video on the 5D, et cetera, and the fusion movement. Mm -hmm. I know we say we're going to use the word movement. Yeah, the, <laughs> the, the fusion sort of way of doing things. Right. Um, is that just widening the ground between the you know the folks that are still shooting film per se that are like oh all this digital stuff I'm a real <laughs> photographer I shoot film you know and the folks that are pushing the envelope with mm -hmm. 
I'm shooting digital, I'm shooting all raw, and I'm, you know, I'm doing this video stuff, mm -hmm. and I'm pushing the edge, you know, and I don't do any, everything's online, et cetera, et cetera. Is that, is it a case of the gap widening, or is it a case of, you know, the people on the far right with the high-tech stuff, they're just, you know, the, the people on the far left are just dying away, you know? Where do you fall on that? I mean, I think the people on the far left are dying away, literally. I mean, yeah. we're... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, on, on Golden Pond. Right. I mean, the generation that's coming out now—the generation that's coming out now—that's going to. I'm going to put gonna that. Go that's going to be the headline. Right. Ron says people who shoot film are dying, literally. I think the today's it's right. It's like we. I'm going to Twitter that right now. It's, it's like when you went from. You know, LPs to tape, from tape to CD, yeah. from CD to downloaded MP3. Yeah. You know, it's like you're going evolution. To point, it's evolution, right? And so the the people, the the holdouts who are diehard film users eventually will die, and the people who are coming out now in the photography industry are people who only know digital. Yeah. So one day they're going to say, "What's film?" And yeah. I hate I hate to say it. Yeah. Um, but. The quality of digital that's coming out now is such that, you know, the only people who can really tell are the one quarter of one quarter of one percent who really have that eye. And soon and they have a loop. Not, yeah. Right. It's pretty soon they're not going to be able to tell. I mean, yeah. I would love to have like a Pepsi taste test type of thing between film and digital. <laughs> Where you, you know, know David Pogue did that on the streets I'm, of New I'm York sure City. Someone has. He know? did. He did a test uh, trying to have passers-by discern the difference between I a six megapixel, a six I think, megapixel, I've never and twelve seen megapixels. That. Yeah. yeah. He did that at, um, at PDN Photo Plus Expo. He showed that video a couple oh, okay. years ago. Yeah. I remember seeing that. Yep. And they couldn't tell. Yeah. And so you know, you have and you have cameras like the red camera on the on the video side that shoot in five K mode, which is the equivalent or even greater resolution than 35 millimeter film. Yeah. So. At 30 frames a second. At 30 frames a second. So yeah. really, what is the point of, I mean, the whole film digital argument, I think, is kind of silly now, because it's obvious where everything is going, yeah. and. But, but you could still have people who. Appreciate it. Who want to pick it up just because of nostalgia. Because oh, sure. Because in video, it's you become a hobby. people mm. who are paying more for film mm -hmm. in video than they are for digital. So who knows 15 years from now, mm -hmm. film may come back in vogue That's and it'll true. be, you know, you're getting three times as much if you know how to shoot film because it's not as easy. And so... They won't be able to buy it, though. That could right. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. I, 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 mean, I mean, you see what's happening with Kodak. It's, you know, it's closing off a lot of its um, film department, you know, putting old film stock to rest because... It's and just sitting there. It's yeah. just sitting there. And yeah. so, yeah, I think there's always going to be a nostalgic element. Like, you can go to museums and find an LP. Or you can go, to, you can find people who have huge LP libraries and mm -hmm. it's kind or of Or laser cool. discs. Or, <laughs> I don't think those are ever cool. <laughs> laser discs. So, okay, shifting gears a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Tanzer, you're, you're the, or you just started a business yeah. recently called Teen Identity Portraits. Yep. Right. Yeah. Um, what's it all about? Uh, it's all about teen girls. Mm -hmm. It's all about how to help them, you know, unleash their true beauty. True. I can't even say it. True beauty. <laughs> okay. it, it's really about connecting with teen girls. So yep. I have a heart for teen girls. I taught junior high. I did my master's research on oh, how wow. teen girls can maneuver that time frame. And part of what I discovered was that they just need someone. It doesn't matter even what they're doing. It doesn't. 
they just need time, attention. And so really what teen identity grew out of was my love for photography and my love for reaching out to teen girls and helping them figure out who they are. Mm -hmm. um, through photography. Through photography. So through, is this, is this, is this like a senior portrait session kind of it, thing? It is. Or, so, or senior portrait seniors. session meets fashion photo shoot? Yes, kind of. yes. Okay. And, and not just seniors even, because teen girls starting, you know, 13, that's when things get rough. And so, you know, know, 13, yeah, we know, we have a 14-year-old. Um, so 13 to 18. And so really, um, it is like fashion. It's helping them, like one mom said, see themselves through a different lens. Mm -hmm. And so throughout the entire process, getting them to see, you know, that they can look like the models in magazines, mm -hmm. even if they are overweight. So we've had, you know, some people say, we, did a, we recently did a promo video, um, which Dare Dreamer Media obviously produced. So that's and how so, we worked together. Gotcha. Um, we interviewed the girls and said, you know, how how is it now? What is it like? You know, is there a lot of pressure to be thin and beautiful and all those things? And so we had this group of six gorgeous, thin teenage girls saying, yes, there's a lot of pressure. And, you know, posted on Facebook and had guys, you know, some older guys saying, oh, well, you know, what kind of pressure do those girls have? They're the typical, you know, girls and this is how they should look. And I, you know, it just... It's sad to me that people think that still, yeah. like, that you would not get that every teen girl and pretty much every woman in general, and people in general, struggle with self-esteem and mm -hmm. struggle with feeling like they're not beautiful, but especially teen girls. And they all get teased, especially the beautiful ones, because everyone's jealous of them. And yeah. so... Um, and I think it's interesting about... Um, the only comments I've ever seen about people commenting how the girls in the video are beautiful are from men. Yeah. Like, I've never seen a woman... Question, oh, question. interesting. You know, because I mean, I mean, it is pretty intrinsic—not intrinsic, but empirical—that the girls in the, our video are really attractive by society standards. Mm -hmm. um, but the fact that someone would think that just because they're attractive, they don't have self-esteem issues—they're not yeah. getting um, teased at that school. That they're not getting teased at school. Yeah. Um, I think women understand that. So even a woman who may um, can see that and, and understand what she's talking about, even if. Uh, the fact that the girls in the video are attractive, whereas guys are usually dense and, yeah. Yeah. and, and don't get it. We are, yeah. yeah. So, so that's, I mean, really my, my mission behind it is so much more than a company. It's really a way to give back Yeah. in the form of a company and something that I love to do mm -hmm. um, and that the girls love to do. You know, I, I recently read something about Seventeen Magazine did a survey asking how many teen girls wanted to be models, and it was like 90% of teen mm -hmm. girls want to be models. It doesn't matter what they look like according to society standards. And I don't think it's because they necessarily want to be a model. Mm -hmm. It's because they want people to think that they're beautiful. Yeah. And they want people to see what they feel could be potentially in them, that they, that they see this potential in themselves, but they never maybe see it on the outside because they've never really had a good picture taken of mm -hmm. them. And so it's a way to, to help them see that, which could do a couple things. One, it can help them see themselves as beautiful and know they're beautiful at a time when they could go down the wrong roads looking for someone to tell them that. Yeah. So instead of looking for someone to tell them that, they can be the one that can look at their photo and go, you know what, I am beautiful. And if I want to get all dressed up and I want to do all this stuff, I can. And if I don't want to, that's okay because I'm still beautiful too. Yeah. And it also can, you know, I think that so many young girls focus during that time in their life, 13 to 18, on being pretty enough mm -hmm. that they waste those years instead of focusing on writing music like our daughter does or 
you know, building a business or learning mm-hmm. how to take photographs or sure. whatever. Instead of doing something about that, they're worried about looking good and spending time at the mall. And if we could get them to see, look, you're gorgeous at 13. Look yeah. at you. Yeah. All right, you're done. So now go on and walk me through the 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 flow of uh, one of these sessions. You know, how does it go? From you know the the the, the teenage girl shows up. Yep. Then what? So they show up and. I would well normally I would have connected with them before in some way mm-hmm. building the relationship. So they show up and they've got their suitcase and their bag and their curling iron and they've got all this stuff which we tell them bring everything. Mm-hmm. Um, even if they're only planning on doing two or three outfits. Yeah. And so then I'll go through their outfits with them. Is this in studio or on location? Oh. Either. Okay. Either. Gotcha. Um, so I'll go through the outfits with them and actually say okay, so if you only had one shot that I could take, what outfit would you want to wear? Mm-hmm. Because I want to make sure that we get a really good shot in that outfit. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I'll look and try to pick things that are different, because sometimes they'll come with three outfits that all look exactly the same, but in different colors. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also just kind of looking at their body type, their body shape, their coloring, mm-hmm. and helping figure out what's going to look best in the wherever we are, whether we're on location or in studio. Mm-hmm. Um, and, then, and then sort of planning the shoot from there with gotcha. them with their buy-in like oh this will look really great because of this and it, they're pretty easy you know if yeah. i'm if someone is selling them you're going to look gorgeous in this they're going to go okay i'll wear that yeah yeah um you're the adult and you're the professional yes, so yes. hey that's two strikes right yes there. and yeah. so so then we'll do that they'll get their first outfit on we'll talk about hair and makeup i'd like to change it up if they're doing more than two or three outfits i don't want their hair and makeup exactly the same because mm-hmm. it looks like the same picture then yeah. um and so then we'll do the shoot i'll do 15 to 20 minutes in each outfit different poses i i don't work on a tripod i don't like a bunch of lights and all of this stuff i Mm -hmm. want to be able to make them feel like they're a model Mm -hmm. i want it to feel like what people envision what teens envision a photo shoot is like where Mm -hmm. it's click 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 and oh my goodness you're so gorgeous and Mm -hmm. you're beautiful and Mm -hmm. this is love the camera love the camera (laughs) so so that's what i want to do i want to give them that experience and even if that means i'm throwing away shots or i'm getting i have the same shot that i don't need yeah because they walk they start to get comfortable with it and they start to feel like free like a and, model. and it's yeah. and and like a model and then they'll start you can see it in them as they start to go oh I do look great and I you know I talked to them ahead of time our daughter is 14 and she loves to be in front of the camera yeah. so she will often be there and she'll be helping them too so I'll say okay you know Imani is our daughter and I'll say okay show her a couple poses and so then Imani is posing and being silly which then helps that teenager feel like, oh, okay, I can be silly because this person is too. Yeah, yeah. So anything we can do to help them feel at ease and comfortable is like the key. And then that's how we do it. Wow, wow. And so when did you start this? Uh, March. So it's brand March, new. Yeah. No, March was after March. WPPI. Wow. After WPPI, there were, there were a couple of speakers, Dane Sanders and um, Kevin Swan. Mm-hmm. And, and after their two sessions, I said, I, I don't know why I'm not doing this. I need to do it. Excellent. So, Excellent. so what was it about their sessions that, that pushed you over the edge? Um, Kevin Swans, it was about picking your hill. Mm-hmm. And so I had always known I loved photography, but I kind of didn't know where I wanted to go. I had shot a couple friends' weddings. I had done portraits. I took pictures of my kids. I had done nature. Um, but when Kevin was talking about picking your hill, for whatever reason, it clicked for me that teenagers were my hill. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't know at the time we were just going to do teen girls. That was Ron's sort of input that let's really pick a hill that mm-hmm. no one else is doing. Um, 
for whatever reason, in that moment when he was talking, I, I got it. That was it. And then with Dane Sanders, there was something about, he was saying, you don't know what an impact your photography and your images can have on this world. And by you not doing it, you're holding back on the world. And so for me, after thinking about, okay, if my hill is teenagers, what if there was one girl whose life could change because she saw herself differently at 15 and, and it set the course of her life differently? Like for me, it'd be worth it. Yeah. And that was enough to say whatever my own fears or you know, shortcomings or feeling like I'm not good enough, all of that, like, it, that was enough to push that to the side and say, go forward and do it. That's awesome. Where's, what's the, where can people find more, find out more about that? Teenidentity.com. Teenidentity.com. Yep. Yeah. Very cool. And Ron, you also run a blog called mm-hmm. F.Beyond, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. what's, tell me a little bit about that. Okay. I like to call it the fresh air of for photographers. Fresh hair. <laughs> Alluding to the uh, uh, NPR. Terry Gross. Terry yeah. Gross uh, yeah. show. But essentially, I started a couple, uh, two years ago, next month actually. Um, and the idea was there were already so many great blogs and podcasts like Twip, for instance, mm-hmm. um, that got a lot into more like the technical aspects of photography and things like that. And I wanted to learn more about like the personal side of the photographer. So, you know, F-Step Beyond is essentially a where we get personal with um, professional photographers. We go, we talk about their inspiration, we talk about faith, we talk about politics, we talk about what inspires them, what gets them going. Yep. You really get to learn, um, you, you know, if we have someone like a Vincent Laferay on, we don't necessarily go into a lot in detail about how he shot Reverie. We go into what makes Vincent Vincent, you know. Yeah. And mm-hmm. We've had Chase Jarvis on. We've had uh, a number of Jeremy Coward. Frederick of, Johnson. Frederick was Johnson. On there. Was on there. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you had me on Which during was, uh, Black History Month, right? You yeah, were a couple years ago. That mm-hmm. was, yeah, and, yeah. Um, we had Matthew Jordan Smith on that month, and mm-hmm. so um, the idea. And we've re- recently we've been getting a greater variety of you know photographers. When I first started it because I was so connected to the wedding industry, most of the photographers I interviewed were big wedding photographers, mm-hmm. but now like some of the names I mentioned are commercial photographers. Oh yeah. But you know, we've gotten great it's like a nice little podcast that could, you know. Yep. Doesn't have nearly numbers that you have. Wow. But, but well, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I want to brag. <laughs> right. Um, I think part of it is, I mean, I think, you know, you know, podcasts about technology and how to are very popular because people want to know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you know, my podcast is really geared towards, you know, interviewing, for lack of a better word, celebrities in the industry that people want to know about. Like, yeah. everyone wants to know about celebrities, right? Yeah. And so that's what F-Stop Beyond is about. And, and it's really neat to be able to discuss issues that go into more of the esoteric, more into sort of like what makes the person tick as a human being. Yeah. Because I think that really informs their art. Yeah, yeah, and definitely. And even how they got to be where they are because there's so many inspiring stories of photographers who mm-hmm. didn't start out as the celebrity, but we see them as a celebrity. And that's like, all you know. Yeah. You know, you go, oh, I'll never be them or I'll never get like that. Right. And then someone comes on and says, yeah, I started in a trailer park. And you're going, cool, I have... I have a chance. Yeah, you know, I can yeah. do this. Yeah. And yeah. that's a big feedback we've gotten from people is like feeling like, wow, if they were there, then I can do it too. It's very inspirational. Yeah. Yeah. Well, guys, thank you so much for taking the time to yeah. chat with me on your Sunday evening. Are you guys <laughs> you heading back to uh, tomorrow Atlanta morning. tomorrow? Yeah. So I caught you on the tail end of your that's journey. Right. Two and a half weeks. Two, weeks. <laughs> two and a half yeah, weeks. We were at Skip Summer School for Vegas for the first week and then 
out here for some shoots and a little bit of relaxing. But wow. <laughs> so you get to sleep in your own bed tomorrow night then? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Late. Late, but, <laughs> but you'll be on your own pillow. Yeah. So uh, before we close it off, where can people find out more about you, Ron? Where, okay. where are you located online? Sure. Uh, Blade Ronner, B-L-A-D-E-R-O-N-N-E-R.com. That's my blog where I write about um, inspirational things, new social media, new media, visual arts. I have a lot of photography followers on that. And then daredreamer.net is our company. Okay. So we do a lot of work for photographers um, through Daredreamer. And you're not on Twitter at all, right? Yeah, I'm on Twitter. My Twitter <laughs> is Ron Dawson. Just twitter.com slash Ron His Dawson. His Twitter is Tazra. T-A-S-R-A. <laughs> <laughs> all right, and Tazra, where can people find you? Uh, Twitter's Tazra Dawson, um, T-A-S-R-A, and Facebook is Tazra and teenidentity.com and I also my whole other world of scrapbooking and creativity and photography is realwomenscrap.com. Say that again? Realwomenscrap.com. Excellent. Oh, we didn't even talk about yeah. that. That's, That's another my, podcast. That was my first book. Yes. Really? Yes. Okay. Well, we'll you have to give me the link and we'll put that in the show notes. Definitely. Excellent. Well, guys, thank you so much for chatting with Thanks me. Thanks for having us. Thank you. You're welcome. We've been speaking with Ron and Tazra Dawson, the husband and wife powerhouse behind uh, Dare Dreamer Media and Teen Identity Portraits. And with that, it's time to take that lens cap off.